Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. I'm going to minister from my heart. And what, what the Lord's been really dealing on my heart, and it's talking about identity. Because, you know, in this world, you can look around and see so many people that are constantly in identity crises. And when I say identity crisis, everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? They're doing as everything they possibly can imagine to become something that they were never made to be. And so it's so freeing, though, when you finally figure out your identity and it becomes a foundation you can stand on. And so we're going to look in God's word tonight and we have to start with Genesis. Because if you want to go back to the original intent, you have to start in the very beginning. And so in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26... But this time, I want to read it in the Message Bible. Do we have the Message Bible, Jimmy? We do have the Message Bible. Fantastic. This is awesome. It says, God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and the cattle, and yes, earth itself. In every animal that moves on the face of the earth, God created human beings. He created them godlike reflecting God's nature. And he created them male and female, and God blessed them. And he said, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for the fish in the sea and the birds in the air and for every living thing that moves on this face of the earth. And so we live in a day and age now that they see this scripture and they don't like it. Because one, there's a word in there that a lot of people don't want to take charge of. It's called responsibility. But here's the biggest thing is in order to find out your true identity, you have to take responsibility for yourself. Nobody's going to tell you who you are and it be the truth. A lot of people want to tell you who you are. They want to tell you what you should be doing. They want to tell you what they think you should be. But the biggest key is that God created us to take responsibility and find out who he says we are. And so we're going to go through some scriptures tonight, but in Genesis, we see the perfect creation. God said, they will reflect us. They will resemble me. And that's what he wanted us to be, is he said, I want to extend my heavenly kingdom to the earth. And God's whole original intent was to create man to rule and dominate the earth, just like he did in heaven. That's what the kingdom is all about. And then we see over in Genesis chapter 3 that we have an enemy show up. And the enemy, obviously, was the serpent. And he goes to Adam and Eve, and he tells them who they are. Because God already told them who they were. He said, this is your responsibility. But the devil shows up, and he starts putting in doubt. This is the first place that we actually see fear and doubt show up in Genesis chapter 3. And we see that he asks a simple question. Did God not say... And he goes on, and he just threw in that little knot. He said, no, you shall eat of any of the fruit, and you shall not die. No, that wasn't the truth. And so we go on, and we see how Adam and Eve both fell to the authority of Satan, because they started doubting who they were. He said, God knows that if you eat of this fruit, you'll be more like him. They were more like God than they ever could be. But yet, here's the serpent, and he's asking them, who are you really? And so he goes on, 
And in Genesis chapter 3, later on in the chapter, we see the redemptive plan of Christ showing up. And God shows up and he asks a question, Adam, where are you? Because he knows, I've placed him here, he's got a responsibility, but where is he? I don't see him. And it actually said that they hid themselves because they heard he was walking through the garden. And they were afraid. And so fear is now dominating their thoughts. And now instead of having this identity of I am a child of God, I am the one created from the dust God breathed into me. He made my wife out of a rib. I am just like God. Now he's saying I can't even be in his presence. I have to run and hide. I have to clothe myself because now I'm naked. And we see this sin nature start creeping into the world and now it's dominating. And then we go on and we see how God tells them this is what's going to happen. And he tells Satan, he says, there will be a seed that will come. And you will bruise him on his heel, but he will crush your head. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure a brain trauma is a lot worse than just a bruised heel, correct? And so he, obviously he's talking about Christ. So we fast forward thousands of years and we have all this documented in the Bible Thousands of years of documentation of a scarlet thread that goes through decade after decade, generation after generation, different men and women that chose to obey God at all costs. And then we get to the New Testament. And this is where we find Jesus shows up on the scene. And he shows up in Matthew chapter 1. And we see that all of the New Testament is telling the story of Christ and his legacy that he left on the earth. He was only here for three years. He started his ministry when he was 30, and he did all this in three years. Blows my mind, because I can look back and I can say, okay, what have I done in the last three years? And I'm going, okay, there's a lot I've grown in, absolutely. But have I been able to do what Jesus did? Absolutely not. I haven't got there yet, but we're getting there. We're going to get there. But we see his account, and we go over, and we see that Jesus has an account with a man late at night. And it starts our story. Because you have to understand that with your identity comes a story. We're all creating our own chapters, verses. We're putting in all the good, the bad, the ugly, the rejoicing. Everything is being written on our behalf. And we have this heavenly host that is watching us, that's cheering us on. But yet we have to continually make choices. We have to take responsibility for ourselves. I mean, it's so funny because if you got kids in here, you'll relate. But we obviously have three children. And my youngest daughter, Ella, she loves to always, I mean, she's, she's like her father. She can come up with some excuses. Ella, why is this the way that it is? Well, I was trying to do it, but it was too heavy, and I couldn't get it. And I, you brought it out here. How was it too heavy for you to take it back into your room? I, I don't know. But we get in this mode where we constantly want to figure out ways to not take responsibility for ourselves, for our actions. But this is the first place you have to start in order to become who God says you are. And so in John chapter 3, verse number 3, Jesus is having an account with a man named Nicodemus late at night. And he comes to him and he says, what must I do 
to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus says to him, and he answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so this got him all confused. And he starts asking questions of, well, I mean, I'm an old man. How can I go back into my mother? How does this even work? But Jesus goes on to explain to him that it's not about flesh and blood, but there's something that has to change within you. There's a spirit that has to shift. And then we go on and we see over in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, this is what we call the believer's prayer. And it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Whose responsibility is it to say that prayer? Thank you. There's a couple of you. Everyone say, mine. I can't do that for you. I would love to. How easy would it be if we could just do that for every person in the world? Here's the thing. Going back to, you got to take responsibility. That's a word we don't like, I know. But it's what we have to do. And whenever we go, we, then something cool happens. Not on the outside. I mean, I love when we have people come down and they rededicate or they become born again. They enter into the kingdom of heaven, but nothing changes on the outside. When you leave here, you still have the same trials, same tribulations that you walked in here with. But there's something different. And so in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so we've now seen there's a shift that takes place. And now we see that it says that the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But like I just said, when you walk out of this door, everything still looks the same. I can guarantee you the devil's going to bring all the same temptations, same trials and tribulations the moment you get in that car that you came here with. But there's something different within you now. There's something that has the capacity now to change what's around you. But we've got to tap into it. And so then we go on and we see that obviously in this identity that we are in, we're trying to get out of the identity crisis. I mean, I remember growing up. My dad was always into these big action movies and finding out what happens next. And there was a series called The Born Identity. Has anybody ever seen that? So, quick recap. Starts off, and I mean, it's, it's intense. There's lots of blood and gore. It's, don't watch it with your kids. Just throwing that out there. But it starts off, and he doesn't remember who he is. So the whole series is him trying to just remember what happened. How did he get where he was at? What has changed? Why does he know all this awesome skills? And why does he have all these vaults that just have so much hidden stuff in there? And he's like, this has my picture on it, but it's not my name. And so he's Jason Bourne's trying to figure out everything that's going on in his life. But he's got to take it one day at a time. And slowly it starts being revealed to him one step at a time. And he meets somebody else and he hears something. A lot of it was bad. I mean, every time he found something else about himself, it ended up going bad, like quick. But you see, the reason I bring that up is that's how we are. 
you have to understand that becoming a new believer is not a one-time event. We say the prayer and we say that confession that Jesus is my Lord and that we are now born into the kingdom of God, but yet we have to now take steps every day to find out who are we, who am I, who did God create me to do, what is my purpose on this earth, why am I here? We've all asked those questions. We've all sat there and we've all wondered that, I'm just hopeless. There's no help for me. These are thoughts the enemy brings all the time, but there's something that is so exciting. It's because God knew that these thoughts would come. And so he put in his word the answers to all those thoughts, to all those problems, because we're going to find out why we're here. But we're going to go and look, and we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. Because we've got to ask, who am I? Okay, now I'm in this new kingdom. That's great. But what does that even mean? What happens? So we know that something's changed on the inside. And now we see in Romans chapter 8, verse number 14, it says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Remember I mentioned in Genesis chapter 3 was the first place fear shows up. We're not going back to fear again. We're not going back to who we once were. But he says, not leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are now children of God. And if children were heirs, also heirs of God and the fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. We are now not only part of the kingdom, but now we're a part of the royal family. And so when you make that shift, there's a lot of things that change. And now you are now part of this royal heir. And so it starts to change your perspective. You have to start changing your perspective. Because if you start thinking of yourself the same way you always did, you'll never see different results. It's biblical. We'll see it here in a second. Because if you don't start changing your thinking, you'll always see what you always have. I love what Pastor Mark was talking about. I can't remember if it was a ministry meeting that we were having or something. But he was talking about opposite forces. In that we get stuck in these modes of just day-in, day-out routines, correct? I mean, sometimes you can get in the car and start driving home, and all of a sudden you get home and you're like, how did I get here? Great. Did I, was that light green or was it red? Thank you, Jesus, that I'm okay. It's called routine. And we can get stuck in these routines until there's an opposite force that pushes against us. Just a quick little testimony for, from me. This had to happen for me. Because I was stuck in the same routine, going to the same job. Even though there was a lot of things changing, I was like, well, Lord, you just you got a plan for me. I'm here. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I didn't like going there anymore. It was just part of the motions. And I was just saying, all right, Lord, I'm here for this season. Until somebody came over and said, hey, have you ever thought of doing something different than what you're doing right now. And I, I guess. 
But something shift in that moment because there was an opposite force that came and disrupted my normal routine. Said, hey, there's something different. So it put me on a path. There's something different. There is something that could be better. All right, Lord, what do you have for me that's better? And so I started looking. And man, I got excited. I'm going to go out. I'm going to start looking for another job. So I started asking around all these different guys that I have contacts with. Hey, you know anybody that's hiring? You're wanting to leave? I'm just asking the question. You know anybody that's hiring? They're like, do anybody, does anybody, hey, listen, I'm not doing anything yet. I'm just asking a question. Do you know somebody that's hiring? And then I started going through, and man, God worked it out so perfect that it disrupted my normal routine, but yet God put me in a new season and a new position. But if I wouldn't have had that mental shift to say, hey, there's something more. You don't have to do this the rest of your life. You don't have to be in this position that you're in right now forever. Because everybody that I was around said, oh, we want to get out of here. We're leaving. We're out of this place. This is my two weeks today. But never did anything. Watch this day in, day out. But for us, this is what has to happen spiritually. We have to have that counter force come in and disrupt our routine. We can't continue to think the same way because we'll never see different results. We got so many people that call themselves believers, but yet live a sinful lifestyle. It got quiet. Because we started thinking about some different stuff for different people. That, yeah, they say they go to church. Not sure what church they go to. They say they read their Bible. Not sure how often. But you see, with us, in order to find out your identity in Christ, you have to take responsibility. And it takes that mental shift to say, I'm going to do something different. I love new believers and their just enthusiasm and their passion when they become born again. You can remember back on that day. Everyone, go back and think of the day that you got born again. When I was born again, I was five years old. I was in children's church. Still remember it. But here's the thing. Is for all of us, there's different ages. There's different time frames that we were there. Some of us, yeah, we were born again at this age, but yeah, we didn't really make Jesus our Lord until a little bit later on. But it's in those moments that we realize there was a shift that took place. There was responsibility that was now taken up, and we say, okay, let's find out who he says I am. And so we go on and we see that now we are in his family. We are a part of the heirs to Christ. This is huge because heirs doesn't just mean another slave. That's why he said we haven't received the spirit of slavery again that leads to fear. He said, but now you are a royal citizen. You are a child of the king. So now we have to start thinking according to what the king says, not what we want. And it doesn't just come out in thoughts. It comes out in action and voice. And this is one of those things that we have to really go, okay, that's a change. And it takes work. I mean, it's, it takes work. It takes responsibility to say, you know what? The Lord's been talking to me for a while about putting this substance down, but today's the day. I mean, I've known men that have done this so many times. I mean, I'm... I'm jacked excited about 
how these guys have literally dipped their entire life. And in one moment with God, they said, you know what? Today's the day. I'm going to walk away. Was it easy? No. Did they stumble? Did they have to work it out? Yeah, they did. Because they had to literally have a counter force come to their thinking that says, I can't do this anymore. I got to change. So they take responsibility for themselves. But one of the greatest things that God has for us is now that we know who we are, whose we are, we got to always ask question, what am I here for? Why am I here? Why did God create me for this season? I mean, back in the day, me and my brother, we used to play cowboys and Indians. I mean, that was our thing because we lived in Oklahoma. And so Robert knows all about this because my mom has pictures all over the house of me and my brother and the cowboy garb. And I mean, we had the little guns on the hip and the cowboy boots and the spurs. And I mean, we had it all. And so we would constantly go through and we were always wanting to be somebody else. I want to be the Indian. No, I want to be the cowboy today. No, I want to be the police officer. And I was constantly changing what character I wanted to play. But then, growing up, my parents started to define who we are, what, what God had for us. And so as we matured, there were some things that we had to figure out on our own. And so in the word, in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. This was my favorite scripture all growing up because this is what my parents instilled within me as that new believer. And so Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. But it doesn't end there. And it can't end there. And that's where everybody wants to stop. Man, there is a future and a hope. God has got a plan for me. And that is good news, correct? Everybody raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. Yes. Good news. But then we read on verse number 12. And it says, in those days you will pray and I will listen. Oh, that's awesome. God hears our prayers, right? Then we go to 13. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find it. You will find me. Goes back to responsibility. You can't just try God. He's not about the, I'll give it a shot. I'll give this a go. We'll see what happens. He's not about that. He says, you're all in or it's nothing. That's why he talks about there's this lukewarm Christian. And he spits them out. He said, it's like riding the fence. You're either hot or you're cold and that's it. And so... We miss out on the scripture so many times because we want to just focus on God has a future for me. He has great hopes. I mean, it talks about his plans. They are so outnumbering that the sands on the seashore are nothing compared to how much God thinks about me. But we miss out on the, it's your responsibility to seek him wholeheartedly. You can't come to God and say, God, I give you all this, but I want all this. You can have this, but don't touch this. Okay? We're just going to shove this back there. No one knows. It's okay. But one thing I've realized is the more you shove back there, 
the more it comes to light. And the more God says, hey, it's time to start cleaning out that stuff. Let's start opening up some boxes. Let's start dealing with them things. Because there's this maturing factor that has to happen. And there's this maturing that when we finally decide to trust him, this is what happens. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 1. He said, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. It says, bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Then it goes on and says, trust in the Lord. Everybody say, in the Lord. With all your heart. And then he says, do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will leave you abandoned. No, not at all. Because, see, we serve a good God. He's a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. I'm loved by you. It's a great song. I love that song. But the biggest thing is that it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. See, there's some shifting that's taking place, and we don't even realize it. When we go back and we look at verse number 5 and 6, let's go back to verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then here's the shift. He says, do not lean on your own understanding. So now we've seen that he says, my son, do not forget my teachings. Bind them on your heart. Keep them on the tablets of your heart. But now he's telling us, don't rely on your own self. You've done everything. You're keeping my word. You're staying firm in the truth. But now trust me. Lean on me. Don't lean on what you know. Don't lean on what you think. Don't lean on your own understanding. And then in verse number six, it says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. And he, big, big he there, will make your path straight. See, we're in this relationship. It's not just this overlord that we serve. It's a father. And I've been blessed with a great father on the earth that showed a godly example and a godly path that we can follow after. And me and my brother were so blessed because we got to see how a man of God should conduct his home. And I don't take that for, I, I don't take that for granted at all. He showed us what it was like to be a good godly man first. That you love the Lord with all your heart and you don't do anything to neglect that relationship first. Then you love your wife. Then you love your children. Then you have a work to do. And he showed us all those things. But just like he showed us the proper way, now the heavenly father is saying, listen, you've followed after my word. You know the truth. You're sticking to the truth. But now trust me. And trust is a big thing that is involved in our identity that we have to rely on. I mean, there's so many times back in who has ever done the trust fall? Right? Everybody know what I'm talking about? 
I, I was going to do it tonight. I was going to have somebody come up here on stage, but I've seen way too many of those funniest home videos where all of a sudden it ends really bad, and I was like, you know what? We're just going to talk about it, not do it. Because trusting relies everything you have in someone else. If you're going to do the trust fall, the whole game is to trust the people that are going to catch you. Well, I've always been a big boy. Can I get an amen, all the other big boys? So growing up, all my friends were smaller than me. So they would always go, Caleb, it's your turn. Thinking, I had little Johnny. I could have caught him myself. But you want all them to try to catch me? I'm hitting the floor. I know for a fact I'm going to hit the floor. I don't trust them. I don't trust you. I don't trust them. I ain't doing it. But yet it's in that moment where you're sitting there and all of a sudden you're, you've got your arms crossed and you're, all right, ready? It's in that moment that you, you don't know what's going to happen next. It's either going to end really badly or it'll be all right. And you'll just get up. But see, we end up in those trust fall situations all the time with God. We sit there and we feel like we're on a cliff. God, you don't show up. That's it. This is all I got. This is everything that I have. I've laid it out here. But you see that God wants us to trust him like that. He says, don't lean on your own understanding. But in all of your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge that he is Lord. Lord means owner of property. We see this as landlords in American society. That we can use all the property, but yet we don't actually have ownership of it. It's not mine. But yet God looks at us, and if he's our Lord, then he's saying, I own everything. I'm going to maintain it. I'm going to watch over it. I'm going to make sure that it is operating at its highest capacity. Trust me. I don't want my investment to fail. That's why he was so upset with Adam and Eve. Because when Adam and Eve fell, they lost trust. When they put their trust in the serpent, they said, you know what? You are right. You, everything that you just said is exactly right. God's wrong. We're going to trust your word over his. And when that moment happened, that wasn't just a day of God just saying, well, it's time to get rid of you. No, he was the father. Those were his children. And we see the heart of the father because we know that when that moment happened, he didn't say, forget it, I'm done. He said, I got a way to get it all back. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some men and women trusting me. With full trust. I mean, Abram heard a word from God. Does anybody remember that word? He said, go. That's it. Go. There's a lot of us that if God told us go, go where? Where do you want us to go? Why do you want us to go there? What do you you want me to do there? There's some people I don't like that are over there. But wait, I was just there the other day, and it was in bad shape. Lord, you really want me to go back over there? I don't don't think that's right. Devil, quit. Get behind me, Satan. Forget this. And we move on. 
But you see, these men and women, they trusted God with everything. And in all their ways, they acknowledged him. And so now we see this shift that God's saying, listen, when you trust fully in me, I got your back and your front. I got you taken care of. You are my child. And this is where we have to start building that foundation is that we realize that I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Everybody say that with me. Say, I am a child of God. Say, I am God's child. Say, I am the king's kid. Makes you feel good, don't it? It makes you start realizing that, yeah, I belong to somebody. Somebody now is in charge of me. I mean, dear Lord, how bad would it be if all of a sudden we just decided, Jada, you're in charge of the two little ones. Good luck. It would be bad. But yet they have this authority above them now that is there to watch over them, to make sure that they're not sticking stuff in light sockets and chewing on cables in the wall and all the other fun stuff that babies just look at and they're like, hey, this looks like food. And it's like, no, dude, that's, that's an antenna. You can't chew on that. But anyway, moving on. So then we go on and we see what can we do. So we found out who I am. Why am I here? Because we're here to have a purpose, have a destiny. God's got a plan for each one of us that it has to play out. Actually, in, in over there in um, Corinthians, it talks about how we are the body of Christ. Each of us are individuals, but we have a purpose to play. Multiple roles but one body. But then we go on and we see that in Romans chapter 12, verse number one, it says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove, everybody say prove, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so we have this responsibility now. And this is where we are going to shift into this lesson because this is what I want you to take home. Is you are not here for yourself. It's a, it's a hard one. It's a hard pill to swallow. I know it is, but you have to understand, you have to change your perspective. Just imagine, actually, I had this conversation with a gentleman I work with just the other day, and he said, hey, I know you're a pastor and all, I got a Bible question for you. This guy's, I mean, he's a great guy, funny little guy, and so I'm working on a car, up underneath the car, working on it. I said, okay, if I got time, Sure. I might have an answer for you. He goes, well, it's about revelation. I said, whoa, stop right there. I said, I can already tell you right now, this is not going to be a pass-by conversation answer. Not going to happen. I said, but what do you got? He said, well, it's about the white throne judgment in the judgment seat of Christ. I said, dude, that's like deep. That's really deep. That's not a, hey, I'm just picking up a part here and I'm going back to work. This is like we have to go and sit down for dinner and I have to explain a lot. 
And he goes, well, I'm just, I'm just concerned about it because, I mean, what if we get up to heaven and let's say the people that we worked with, we get to see them, but they're being judged by God instead of being accepted into heaven? I said, dude, that's deep. I said, you, we, are, we are swimming deep in this thing now. I said, all right. I said, what's your concern about it? He goes, well, I mean, I wonder if they'll be able to see us. I said, that's deep. I don't have the answer for you. That's deep. And he goes, well, I just, I just think it would be interesting. I mean, I would hate to get there and watch all these people just go the wrong way. I said, well, let me ask you a question. What are you doing to make that not happen? He goes, oh, I don't like talking the Bible. You're the first one I've ever talked about God with here. I said, let me ask you a question. If, let's just throw out a big if here. What if you're right and you get to heaven and they are being judged by God and you're standing up there and you're seeing it all happen and one of them turns to you and says, if you knew, why didn't you tell me? He stopped, looked down, and walked off. So that's a big question you got to ask yourself. Because I said, what if it is right? And all of a sudden, they get to heaven and they said, wait, we thought you were one of us. And we didn't live any lifestyle that was different in their eyes that they said, you knew the whole time and you didn't tell us? How could you do that? And so for us, God's called us to do way more than just go to work, be quiet, live a lifestyle that's great for your family, have the American dream. It's so much more than that. Over in Matthew chapter 5, we see this. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13. Because we can do something. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and he gives light to all who are in the house. Ready for this? Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and, and, and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So now we know whose we are. We know whose... We have a purpose, we have a destiny, but now we have an assignment. That we are supposed to be different in this world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Even Jesus was having a conversation with a man named Pilate, and he said, they say that you're king of the Jews. Is that true? Jesus says, well, I mean, who's asking? What, why, why are you asking these things? And he's like, are you the king of the Jews? He says, well, you say correctly. He says, but my kingdom's not of this world. 
If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting for me and I wouldn't have been handed over. But then again, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, so you are the king. He said, yes, I am. But you see, Jesus understood that I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to start shifting things. Even in the scriptures, it talks about how these men turned the world upside down. And he was talking about how they were going through telling about Jesus and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. And he was changing lives. In Matthew chapter 4, verse number 17, Jesus entered into his ministry by saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent means to change the way you think. Change the lifestyle. Change everything you have. And I'm not talking about repent as in, Lord, please forgive me. No, I'm talking about you go before the Lord and you say, Lord, I've sinned. But Lord, I thank you that you've forgiven me of my sins, that Jesus has died on the cross, saved me from all that. And now I choose to walk the opposite direction and I will live a life that glorifies you. Because you see, going back to what we talked about, your life is not for yourself. That's not why we're here. That's not why me and my wife are here. We're here because God called us here. For you guys. And I love it. Every moment of it. Me and Pastor Mark were just talking about, I sent him a picture. When we first got up here, there was no praise and worship. We did praise and worship with a blank stage, with words on a screen, with a CD. Pastor Mark came to me one day and he said, hey, we got a gentleman coming up. He can play the guitar. Lisa Biles used to play the piano. She's going to learn the keys some more. And we need a singer. So back in St. Augustine, we were working with the children. And I was leading praise and worship for the kids. Great. I can sing in front of kids. I got that. I am your man for that one. He says, you're going to help lead praise and worship. Hey, pastor. About that. He said, no. You got it, man. He said, we'll do it. My first service up there, oh, dear Lord, baby Jesus. I don't think I hit one correct note. I was shaking beyond belief. I was scared out of my mind. But yet, I did it. Because I realized I'm not here for myself. If I was here for myself, I would have stayed in St. Augustine. But yet, God called us here and we said, okay, we'll answer the call. Now, I don't know about you. We got one of the best worship teams in all of South Georgia. I mean, it is top notch. And I'm not just saying that. I've seen it grow. Me and Pastor Mark looked back the other day, and I sent him a picture of our stage. Man, we had had carpet for a stage. No stage, just carpet. We we decided that we were going to take some different color carpets, lay them out in a little rectangle. That was the stage. So you literally just, I'm on the stage. I'm off the stage. Don't get on the stage, kids. Don't get on the stage. Then we upgraded. Why? Because it's not about us. We're here for somebody else. How many more people could we reach? So then we started getting a worship team, did we not? We had some people, Miss Shannon was on there singing with us. And then all of a sudden it started growing. We need a bigger stage. Our little carpets are too small. We need something to actually stand on. So we get this bright idea. 
let's use pallets. So we were like, hey, this is going to be great. Well, then we had to shift through the pallets because they were all different sizes. <laughs> Nobody tells you that when you're doing pallet DIY stuffs. You just think they're all the same. Let's do this thing. No, they're not. So we're shifting and we're building this stage and all of a sudden we get more people. Why? Because it's about other people's lives. We're not getting up on the stage every Sunday for ourselves, but it's about others. Then all of a sudden, man, I remember it. it was God. It was all God. Two weeks before we're supposed to move into this building, we had our packed out service. I have a picture of it on my phone. Because we had 14 people, 14 people standing on the walls and sitting on the floors, crisscross applesauce with their Bibles in their lap because we had no more chairs. Literally. Like, Anchor Faith Church Valdosta had no more chairs in the entire building. We had taken them all. And we packed it out. Why? Because it's about people's lives. They're walking in. They're seeing something different. They're saying there's something different about these people. What is it? I can tell you. Is we have a bunch of people that have their kingdom identity taken care of. And they are a light set on a hill. And we can't be hidden. People look and they... And some people, they're just going to come just to watch. Because they just want to see some people just on fire for God. They want to see what's this really all about. But it's because we know who we are. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. Thank God. Because there was only one perfect person and he died on a cross. I don't want to die on a cross. But you know what? Are we being perfected? Yes. Christ is working in us. He's moving on our behalf. He's changing some things. But it's if you take your responsibility and you act on it and you trust him, that's whenever things start changing. Last scripture of the night. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so you have to understand that It's not about us. It's not about me. We're here for others. Our life is supposed to shine so bright that people start wondering, what is different? Nicodemus, when he went to Jesus, the reason he went after him and he said, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? What must I do? The reason why is because he saw something different in Jesus. He said, I've seen a lot of, this guy was a Pharisee. I mean, he was somebody who knew the religion of the time. But yet he said, hey, you got something different. Jesus would go into the synagogues and all of a sudden they're like, y'all hear this, dude? You listening? This guy speaks of one with authority. Everybody better listen up. And they had so many problems with him. But Jesus had no, Jesus had no problem with his identity. He knew who he was. And because of that, it changed people. When we finally figure out that, you know what? I know I got my mess. God's working it out. But I'm not here for myself. 
That's why Pastor Mark's talking about changing your world. Because there's so many people out there that need what we have. I'm teaching a Kingdom Institute class, which is our Bible school, on Sunday nights. I'm teaching a class called The Lord's Harvest. And I just taught our students a couple weeks ago, talking about seeing people the way that God sees them. You can't look at somebody in their mess that they're in right now and just think they're stuck there. And I told them, I said, how you have to go through every situation is you have to go in with the mindset of, I have the answer for them. Do you have the answer? No, absolutely not. 90% of the time, you ain't going to know what to say. But the Holy Spirit who lives within you says in every situation, don't worry about what to say. Because in that moment, I will give you the words to speak. And that's what changes people's lives. Is when we say, Lord, here I am. It's not about me today. What do you want me to do for others? What do you want me to do? Who do I need to go and hug? There might be a coworker that you work with that, man, they hate God. But they just haven't met your Jesus yet. They hate their Jesus, but they just haven't met yours yet. And so you have to be open to receive and to allow God to move through you. But it takes us taking responsibility. It takes us trusting God. And it takes us recognizing that it's not about me. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you will be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaith.austin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of your ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church Podcast.